Hey, what's up, guys? Bill Brower here with FMBA Nation. Today, I wanted to talk to you and tell you a little bit about Anchor. It is the podcast platform that we use here for FMBA Nation, and it is probably the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. Secondly, there's tons of creation tools that you can use to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also help you with the distribution of your podcast so it can be heard on different types of platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything that you need to make a podcast and more all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to www.anchor.fm to get started. You are listening to the FMBA Nation podcast series featuring the leaders, members, and supporters of the New Jersey State Firefighters Mutual Benevolent Association. Our mission is to inform, educate, protect the interests of the members of the FMBA, and keep safe the civilians in the communities we serve. You're listening to FMBA Nation. I'm your host, Bill Brower, and today I'm being joined by Kyle Hughes, who is the Northern District Vice President of the State FMBA. He's a Patterson firefighter and also recently just became elected uh, Local 2 Patterson uh, President. So, Kyle, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule uh, to sit down and talk with me today. We're going to touch on a couple things with regards to behavioral health and uh, I think your story is, uh, is very genuine and uh, can hit home to a lot of our members who may be uh, dealing with some of the same things. So, Kyle, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, first and foremost, how many years have you been a uh, firefighter? Uh, first, thanks for, for inviting me down here, Bill. It's important to me to, to get a good message out to the guys, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I'm in my ninth year in Patterson. Great. Um, how long have you been uh, Northern District Vice President? I'm in my fifth year as a Northern District Vice President. I got uh, elected in 2013. I know you just recently got elected as the uh, President for Local 2, which is a huge mark for you. Congratulations on that. And uh, I wish you nothing but, but the best. I know it's a tough job, so, um, you know, good luck with all that. Uh, thanks, thanks. Yeah, it's a, Patterson's a busy place, and we get to see a lot of stuff, which I, you know, hope, hope not even hopefully, it does, it, it puts a lot of behavioral health issues into perspective. You know, we're busy and we're, we're big and it's a very poor city. It's, um, hmm, for, you know, it's, it's, it's a rough place, you know, for lack of a better term. You know, it's interesting talking about behavioral health uh, and how it affects our firefighters. Um, it's a epidemic in the fire service. It's something that is sort of the elephant in the room not talked about a lot, and I think with the amount of extraordinary circumstances us as firefighters are put into, we're exposed to so many different things that affect our members uh, day in and day out, you know, not just on shift, but when they go home as well. Um, a lot of these things, you know, linger and carry on for quite a while. So, um, you know, jumping into that, you experienced uh, some things, you've had some experience over the course of your career over the course of your life where um, you've dealt with some of these uh, demons and some of these these uh, 
issues that uh, we're talking about here. So can you touch on a little bit about what your past experiences were, you know, what kind of issues, what kind of problems you were having um, first and foremost, and then, you know, how did you recognize that and how did you take the steps to move forward to get the help that you needed and, and bring you to a, a good spot, which is where you are today? Well, I could say this, that, that a, uh, the bulk of my issues I kind of um, had alleviated before I even got out of the job. I, uh, I had a serious, serious um, substance abuse problem, mostly drinking, but there was, there was other things involved. And um, throughout my 20s, and, you know, I... I had taken the test actually when I was in my early 20s. And looking back now, a part of the reason I probably didn't get the job back then was uh, because I was in the throes of that sort of thing. And, and, you know, I believe in life everything happens for a reason. And I ended up getting on the job a little bit later and had a lot of life experience, especially with, with, with the drinking issues that I was having. And, uh, you know, I would get good jobs, really good jobs. Um, I got to travel the country for, for, for many years uh, as a construction manager. And, you know, I'd be on the road and, and it would be a big, vicious cycle of loneliness and, and, and things like that on the road. And I would just drink a lot. And, and I was making a lot of money and spending a lot of money. And, you know, when that ended, I, I got back home to New Jersey and I ended up getting into the construction union and the plumbers union. And, uh, you know, there was a culture of, of, of drinking there. Uh, you know, blue collar guys, tough guys that, uh, you know, earn, earn, you know, earn, earn their wages and earn their living and, uh, you know, all good guys. But, uh, you know, you would get, you get an hour lunch and that would turn into a couple beers during lunch. And a lot of times for me, I wouldn't return. And, uh, you know, eventually I used to, uh, make a joke even, even during that time that I like, I don't know what union this is, but I think it's the drinkers union, you know, because mm -hmm. there was, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of partying and going on and. I got introduced to other stuff when I had that job, and and um, till one day I I had gotten myself in trouble several times in my twenties, and and um, you know I had a hard time looking at myself in the mirror. You know, um, when you're in the throes of 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 alcoholism or, or substance abuse problems, uh, you know, it, you're always lonely. Even if you're in a room full of a million people, you're always lonely. And, and whatever triggers it for different people or, or, or um, however they get to that place, you know, I was in a desperate place at that point in my life. I was in my early 30s. My dad had just died. Uh, I had lost a brother um, my first year of college, which was, you know, a decade earlier. And that's when I really started to to try and numb myself all the time. And I found out it worked for a while. 
And um, I went through that decade, and, and like I said, uh, you know, I've always been a good worker, but, uh, you know, and a good person. I think that's where a lot of a lot of people that are in the throes of, of, of mental health issues or substance abuse problems, they feel like they're weak or they're not a good person or, or, you know, they're, they're, they're depressed because they don't feel worthy of, of, of things. And, and for whatever reasons those are, you know, um, you know, again, I, 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 at that, towards the end of, of, of my days of, of drinking and stuff, I, uh, I couldn't even look in the mirror. You know, I, all I saw was a blank face looking back at me. And I showed up for work one day, and they, they actually fired me from the drinkers' union, you mm -hmm. know, right. <laughs> which is kind of hard to do. Yeah. And there was no going back, you know. They, they, it wasn't like our union at that point um, where we, we try and help guys and put them through. They didn't do any of that. But, you know, legally, I guess they had an obligation to, to keep me insured for a few months. And whether they did or didn't, it, that, that really was neither here nor there. That day, something happened, you know. Uh, I looked in the mirror and when I got home and, and I actually saw my face and, and uh, kind of realized that I can't live that way anymore. And I think one of the hardest things, if not the hardest things to do for, for guys like us or women like us or, you know, we, we look out and, 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 uh, we, we feel like we always have the answers or, or that we could figure things out or, right. or, or, um, we're problem solvers. Sure. Yeah. And I had not been a firefighter yet, but that, that was me, you know, that, that hasn't changed. And, um, for the first time in my life, I asked for help. You know, I, I realized I, I couldn't do it by myself. I had tried for a long time, and and uh, you know that it turns it turns out that hardest thing to do for for a lot of us, for me especially, and even to this day, um, asking for help turned out to be what made life easier. Mm -hmm. You know, I I I, I kind of jumped into it in the same way I jump into everything, you know, full, full force, you know, when I, we go to a fire, I want to be the first guy in just like most of us. And I, uh, you know, I want to solve problems. I want to be in the mix of things. And when it came to my recovery, I was the same way. I jumped into it and all I knew and, and the only thing I had to know was I didn't want to live that way anymore. And, uh, so I did everything they told me, and I went to, to rehab, and they told me to, to get into a program when I got out, and I did. First thing I did was, you know, go to a meeting, and they explain a lot of stuff, you know, and, and it's part of what's missing, uh, even, even in, in our own guys, is, okay, so you go away for 30 days, you're not cured, and... Uh, There's got to be some follow-up. I mean, right, right, and that's what I what I did. Mm -hmm. um, 
like I said, I went into it full force, just like I do everything else. And there was nothing going to stop me from getting better. Right. Um, and it took a while to get through the, you know, I'm no good stuff or, or, you know, how could this happen to me stuff? But the more I went and there's, you know, when you, when you, when you go to these things and you, and you, you meet other people, you realize you're not alone that other people have gone through it, live through it, deal with it and have been successful at it, at getting better. And, you know, I've learned, you know, this was in April of uh, 2005, so 13 years now. And, you know, it just, it, the crazy but most beautiful thing about it is you just keep evolving. Once you, once you, you find that reason to, 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 to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, I got on the job a little later than most, but who knows what would have happened if... I did get on in my early 20s. Right. Um, that's where I come up with, you know, everything always happens for a reason at the time it's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, where it helps now is because of that experience, it's, it's, I have A, empathy for guys that are going through stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, guys, guys that have to go away or guys are going through things, you can kind of, you know, understand where they're coming from, or what, what's because at the end of the day, it's more about what's going inside a person than it is. You know, because you can you can look like life is great and stuff inside's digging at you. And I think when you've been through it and you live through it and you you've come out the other side, you can kind of see it a little bit clearer, with, even with other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, which is part of the reason I wanted to get involved with, with, with the unions and stuff and be, be the Northern District Vice President so we can, uh, you know, to be there for the guys and the girls and, and the same with, with, with being the president in Patterson. It's, it's to be there for, for, for others. Sure. And uh, I think through 13 years of sobriety, I learned that. I learned how to do that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that doesn't mean that the battle's over. I went through a... A depressed state, um, just over four years ago. Yeah, and uh, it, it was you know just a lot of things happened to me all at once, and I didn't cope with them well. Um, it wasn't that I didn't necessarily know how to cope with them; I just didn't do it. And it happens. We're all fallible. We're all human, and and, uh, you know, it got to a point where it was actually a, a fellow firefighter, one of my close friends in Patterson, uh, happened to call me and heard it in my voice. I was driving well over 100 miles an hour down Route 8 for no real reason other than my mind was not right. Right. And, uh, and he called me and he heard it in my voice. And, you know, I actually pulled over to the side of the highway and, and then broke down and knew that I, all right, this is my point now where I need to do what I did, you know, when I got sober mm-hmm. and ask for help. And, mm-hmm. and, and I did that. And I started seeing a therapist and I go still once a week. Yeah. And uh, it's not always about job stuff. It's about life stuff. Sure. But when you have our job and you have that life stuff on top of it. It's compounding. 
it, it compounds itself exactly. Mm-hmm. And you can't really, you know, and again, <laughs> we're all tough guys. We're all the, the quote heroes. We're all the, 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 the problem solvers. And at the end of the day, you really can't always count on solving the problems by yourself. And a lot of times, and it was when, it, when Mike called me and he's like, man, you don't sound good. Why don't we just meet for coffee? And I was, that was all I needed, mm-hmm. you know, to say, holy shit, someone wants to listen to me. And we did. We talked for hours and hours. And, uh, you know, he, he identified with some of the things that I was going through. And that was enough. That was enough to just say, okay, I don't have to have all the answers. Uh, life is still good. And, uh, you know, on my own, I kind of felt around. I had some people I knew throughout the years that, that, that would know different therapists that might work for me or might not. And, uh, you know, I found one. And, and uh, you know, it wasn't easy at first even to do that. But the more I did it and the more... you get the tools to to deal with everything and that includes the stuff we see you know where where we work we, you know we ride the ambulance and it's it's crazy the numbers are crazy mm-hmm. you know we're a 8 square mile city and 3 of our 7 ambulances are constantly year in and year out in the top 10 of ambulance runs in the country. Wow. You know, and and not all of them are horrific accidents. Or, sure. Or, or we, you know, uh, deaths or, or shootings, although there's quite a few, but it's the, the constant calls you get from people in, that, that seem to have no hope. Mm-hmm. That can very much affect us. For me, that that's the worst part of it, mm-hmm. is dealing with, you know, going into these homes where, where people don't know any better, they 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 um they seem to not have any hope or or whatever, and and, and it's time after time after time after time. And yeah, that cumulative effect. I mean, that cumulative. You know, it, it just it 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 progresses and keeps building and building and building and stacking itself up on top of each other. And uh, you know, I feel like. Like like what you're talking about, the the doesn't necessarily have to be the type of call that you're responding to, just the environments that you're responding to, the situations that you're responding to, um, the people that you come across on a every day, every hour basis, just compounds and stacks up and stacks up, and that just has a lasting effect on on our guys, you know, in in terms of their mental health and, and seeing the stuff day in and day out and day in and day out. It's nonstop. 100%. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and then we have great, a great team in place with the CISD team and, 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 you know, the, that's constant training and learning things and, and, and trying to be able to deal with those, those issues. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think if 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 you can find it in yourself just to ask for the help you need, it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, let's 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 talk about that for a second. So, 
you know, finding it in yourself for the help that you need. Um, at what point, you know, both in your uh, past life experiences before you got on the job and four years ago when you were dealing with the depression you were dealing with while you were on the job, at what point did you um, recognize, you know, um, and how did you come about recognizing it? And once you did recognize that you needed the help, what what steps did you take to get that help? Well, when I got sober 13 years ago, it, it, it was very, it took a long time, you know. Uh, I think I realized I had a problem for a while, but I thought I can, again, I thought I could just figure it out. Right. And, mm-hmm. and find that solution. Until I got to the breaking point when, you know, the not being able to look, look at myself in the mirror, the, the the missing work, the the you know people who I loved not wanting to be around me. Yeah. Period. You mm-hmm. know, uh, things like that kept building, and I was able to mask it, or you know, I could say things like I don't care. You know, that's on them. When it was really, on, you know, on me. And I think no matter where you are or, or what, you know, we're all responsible for each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, you know, <laughs> we're responsible for each other, yes, like your brother's keeper type thing. But we're also, you know, I, I held no responsibility for my own actions. Right. Uh, and then I hit that the, the breaking point. Like I said, I, that that particular thing, it it's almost hard to pinpoint because I lost a job. Yeah, that wasn't the worst thing that happened to me. Right to that point, mm-hmm. it turns out maybe it was even the best. Uh, but it just opened my eyes in a, in a brief moment where I was like, I can't do it. I can't live this way anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the unfortunate thing is, it's hard. I think. It is hard to, to, uh, to see it sometimes until you hit that proverbial bottom, you know. And uh, I think what we're we're trying to do here is we're trying to, to, to head head it off at the pass for some some people because uh, you know if you're feeling these things, it's a, it's okay, it's normal. You're human, no matter if you're. Uh, fireman a ceo or a you know uh you know homeless person you know we're all the same in, in, in most ways and um what happened to me with the sobrieties I, I hit a breaking point and uh just asked for help mm-hmm. the depression thing was was similar but it, it just kind of happened quicker mm-hmm. i think because of my years at the time of sobriety like I was maybe able to recognize it quicker, mm-hmm. even though I was trying to fight it, saying, you know, these things can't affect me this way, but they do. You know, the, the stuff that was happening on the job, I had a b- bad breakup, um, human things that happens to everybody. Sure. But I just kept pushing them all down and pushing them all down and, and until I hit that, I got that phone call and I, I hit that breaking point. I think why it didn't last longer or and it could have was I think I had to at that point worked enough in the past to realize all right you got to find another way of getting help you know mm-hmm. you, we we go out 
every day, and we help helpless people, mm -hmm. right? No, even if they're not helpless people, they're they're in that moment they are, they're, right? They're, yeah, they're, in need of help. They're in that worst mm -hmm. part of their day, of their life, of their sure. year, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and we go out and we help them. And, and sometimes we need the help. And at that moment, I knew I needed it. And, uh, you know, I just took the steps and slowly but surely came back out of it. You know, I was lucky, you know, not just Mike with the phone call, but... You know, I had a job to do here, mm -hmm. in the, and these guys were understanding. Yeah. You know, I was enough, able enough to open up to them and say, hey, I'm going through some stuff, but what do you need me to do? That sort of thing. And, um, you know, I think one of the biggest surprises that guys would find out, or, or girls, or, or whoever's struggling with stuff, is that if you do talk about it, people are going to understand a lot more than you think. Yeah. You know, um, and that in turn gives them the opportunity to, to maybe open up to you about things. And uh, I think the communication is so key to it all. You know, look out for each other. It's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's one of the best life lessons there are, right? You know, do unto others as you'd have done to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you, you talk about this, this issue of behavioral health, uh, substance abuse, PTSD, suicides in the fire service. I mean, those numbers are staggering right now, the amount of uh, not just firefighters, but first responders, police officers, people that are subjected to the line of work that we do, which is helping other people every day and being in these situations where uh, cumulatively, just the buildup, you know, uh, truly affects them on every level. I mean, it's 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 a staggering statistic the number of people that are taking their own lives. It's three per state a year. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, maybe not three in each state, but the average is 150 a year. Mm -hmm. You know, and it has happened here. I mean, actually, <laughs> during that time where I was dealing with my stuff, I got a call from about a guy from this state, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that couldn't take it and ended his life. Mm -hmm. And that actually, you know, was like an eye-opener. And, it, it, you know, I have friends in California that, that and, and other, many other states, that, you know, that are firefighters. And, and uh, you know, you, you hear about it all the time. And, and I know that, um, you know, it... it that's something we, we have to figure out a way to, again, head off at the pass. Yeah. And, and do we have all the answers? No. But I think the first line of defense, the first, um, the first way to make that happen is to, for, like for me, is to, like, hey, we've all been there. You know, I've had those thoughts myself. I was that low at one point. But here I am now, and it's only because I communicated it, because mm -hmm. I asked for help. Mm -hmm. I wasn't too proud, you know. I'm more proud of the fact that I did that than, you know, the, the false pride I was having about figuring or thinking I can do it myself. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the first thing, to let everybody know we are here for you too, not just the people we serve. But first and foremost, we're here for each other. 
you know, the people we work with, the people that see the same things we see. Uh, you know, that's that's the first line of defense, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the coin phrase brotherhood, um, you know, is definitely, like you said, the first remedy or first line line of defense to, to beating this epidemic and to getting our guys better, guys and gals better. And, um, you know, just the simple fact, like you were talking about with your buddy on the, on the highway, calling out, reaching out, recognizing that there was something going on with you, you weren't yourself, and just saying, hey, you want to grab a cup of coffee, you know, let's just go go talk for a minute, even if it's about something completely unrelated, just to spend the time with somebody else to vent if you need to vent if you don't need to vent to get your mind off of whatever might be going on inside your head uh and and talk about some other things um i think is uh, like you said is the first line of defense it's huge um and i i think you know our our guys and gals uh do that um i i think you know here at the fmba we've we've put this issue um kind of first and foremost with our peer assistance program you know, you've got the folks from Princeton Behavioral Health that come in um, and, and we're able to utilize their services at no charge to the FMBA members or their family members, for that matter. Um, you know, if you have a family member who's dealing with something, they can they can also use those services to come in and, and talk to uh, these professionals. Um, I think that it's a couple different things. I think there is the, uh, like you said, the the stubbornness of our, you know, profession. We're, we're typically we're stubborn people. Like I said, we're problem solvers. We, we can do it. We can figure this out. We can do it on our own. We don't need the help. Um, and you know, you combine that with the years of going through what our guys go through. Um, and it's, it's, it's hard. Some people feel that there's a stigma attached to it, you know, because you got to go see a doctor or a shrink, whatever you want to call it, therapist. Some people look at that in a negative light, that there might be something wrong with them. Um, and it's truly not the case. You know, it's like you said, it's this is normal. You know, you're normal for for thinking the way that you're thinking that, hey, you know, I, I, there's something wrong here. Something's going on and 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 people shouldn't be afraid to reach out for help. Um, so I think, uh, I think here from an organizational standpoint, you know, we're doing, uh, we're doing everything that we can, uh, with the substance abuse side, we've got the partnership with Florida house experience where our guys can go down there and, uh, you know, get some time away at a facility, a, a certified facility for substance abuse. And uh, I've been down there. It's oh, you know, okay. Yeah. I've, I've been down there and, uh, to visit and, um, they do have a top-notch mm -hmm. place down there. They, they, you know, very, uh, <laughs> very different from where I went. Yeah. You know, my place was a little bit more, uh, uh, more like a prison. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't a prison, right, but, right. but it was definitely <laughs> treated more that way. Yeah. But they have um, outstanding, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Outstanding um, resources down mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. um, and they touch upon every aspect of the mental health and, and, and the uh, substance abuse. They, they've got a top-notch facility. Yeah. If you could, if you could offer, if, if there's somebody listening right now, right, and, and they're having issues, they're going through problems, if you can give them 
your best piece of advice to them, what would that be? Talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Commun- communicate. And you can call me. I mean, my number and email's all over the FMBA. And my, my phone's always open. And, but there's other, there's other resources. We have the uh, peer assistance guys. We have Dr. B. We have, um, you know, CISD team um, that I'm part of. You know, at the end of the day, don't be too proud to just ask for help. And I got it. I readily admit it. Um, I'm not, I'm not, you know, if there's anything to be proud of is that I did do that. And, you know, because of that, I'm I'm able to put myself out there and be in the positions I'm in and, and, and work amongst the guys and, and, and have an understanding, but it's all because I communicate it. You know, if something's up, I, I, I don't really hold it in. You know, uh, do I advertise all my issues out into the world? Absolutely not. There's no need to do that, but it's important to get it out somewhere, somehow, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and that's the whole other thing. You know, for me, it's, Working out every day or, or writing or reading. I have a lot of hobbies I, I, I do besides all the work within the fire service. You know, I, you know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I guess one piece of advice is, you know, we only have one life, you know, mm-hmm. and live it, yeah. you know, and you can do that when you ask for help. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing. No matter how tough you think you are, life's tougher. But if you ask for help, you can get through it with, with other people, especially... You know, people in, in, in that, that understand your job. Yeah. Um, before we before we finish up here, kind of off topic, but uh, along the lines of brotherhood, I know you're uh, heavily involved with the 9-11 bus trip that you guys run, and uh, I know that's coming up. Can you just give us some details, touch upon that for a quick couple uh, seconds here before we close out our uh, our session? Yeah, that, that was actually, um, it's, it's been a tradition now, and, and uh for, for a few years, and uh, I was going to a concert in Brooklyn, and uh, my sister and I were just kind of meandering around the neighborhood because we were so early, and there's a firehouse, and I tend to stop at firehouses and talk to guys. I have T-shirts from all over the country, and now I have friends from all over the country, but the guys were outside, and uh, we got to talking, and they, they lost seven guys from that house, and 23 in the battalion in that part of Brooklyn. Which, uh, which house is that? Um, uh, Dean Street. Okay. Dean Street Firehouse. Gotcha. And uh, I got to, to talk with this gentleman, Tom Callahan, who runs this, this event. Mm-hmm. And um, turns out Bloomfield actually covered that house during 9-11. Really? So they have, they have connections there, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just got to talking, and he invited me, and I just liked the idea so much that, that I was like, you know what, let's bring a bus over. And, uh, you know, on the 15-year anniversary, we took the bus over, a full bus, and, and we, what you do is you go there and you have, like, a bagel and coffee or whatever, and there's, there's firefighters who, uh, from, from as far away as California, that are there every single year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cal Fire guys, uh, Sacramento guys, um, Anaheim guys, and then there's Chicago people in, 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 in Florida. It's, it's, it's great. And we're all, we all gather at this firehouse, and 
We have a moment of silence when the towers hit inside the firehouse. We stand at attention, and as soon as that's over, we all walk about a block to the to the subway. We get on the subway, take it over to Ground Zero, line up, and we march, carrying 23 flags for each guy from the battalion, all the way back through Brooklyn, past the other two firehouses in the battalion, and uh, you know, and back up at, at uh, church. Mm-hmm. And then there's a mass, and I'm like the. They had this crazy, beautiful mass on the 15 year anniversary, and the mass, you know, is uh, it's pretty great because there's a lot of people from the community. Uh, the bishop's usually there, and uh, you know, and then it's just a great day, and and those guys in New York appreciate it so much, and you make friends, you get to meet people from all over the country. Um, and it makes a solemn day. I mean, that's the brotherhood, right? That's that's those guys were doing the job we do, and probably doing exactly what we would have done. We were ordered to go get as many people out as we can, and that's what they did. And, and 343 of them didn't come back. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's, you know, one small remembrance we can do each year on that day, and, and it meant the world to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hope to get. A full bus again this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll leave. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Tell me. Tell it'll me about. leave six forty-five a.m. from the Patterson um, uh, Fireman's Hall, two twenty-six Walnut Street in Patterson, on September eleventh. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's a great thing that you guys do there, and and the reason why I bring it up, going back to the brotherhood thing, and kind of tying this all together with you know we are our brothers keepers. Uh, looking out for one another, I think that uh, that trip, you know, kind of is a, a showing of that, you know, and, and in such a huge way, because like you said, there's firefighters from all over the country that they go to it and partake in that and remember those guys. So I think uh, that action in itself is really the message that we're trying to get out behind this behavioral health notion is that, you know, we're here for you. There's guys that'll do anything for you here, guys and gals in the fire service, in your departments, in other departments, in your union, um, that will uh, will step up to the plate and, and be the person that you need them to be, and 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 reach out for uh, for you to, to to get you know the help that you need. So, um, you know, thanks for coming in, for sharing your your story, for for talking a little bit about this this issue, and uh, hopefully your message, your your story can hit home to somebody out there that is uh, dealing with the same stuff and, and, and it turns them around the corner that they need to be going around and, and get help. So I truly appreciate you coming in here and spending a couple minutes to talk with us. Uh, thanks for having me, Bill. You know, it's, it's, it's been my pleasure, believe me. Great. This is Bill Brower with FMBA Nation. Stay safe.